Welcome to the Nonprofit Growth Show, presented by Nonprofit Megaphone, the podcast where we highlight nonprofit leaders in the trenches who share the strategies and tactics they use to grow their organizations and make a difference each day. As we like to say, if you want to be discouraged by a general sense of decay, read the news. But if you want to be inspired by concrete stories of growth, talk to a nonprofit. Here's to the modern day superheroes, the nonprofit leaders. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. This is Grant Hensel. I am with just one of those superheroes, Kristen Anderson. She is at the Kabbalah Center International. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That was some intro. Hey, we love it. Um, (laughs) All about uh, kicking it off on the right note. And um, speaking of which, I would love for you to take us to a dynamic, maybe tension-filled, maybe dramatic moment in your development career. And we'd sort of love to hear the story of what happened and how it all ended up working out. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I think the the turning point was when I was at Cure Search for Children's Cancer. It was a pediatric cancer research nonprofit. And I was initially hired as the Northeast Signature Events Manager, and I was overseeing all of their Northeast community walks. And about six months in, they did a restructure. And my boss came to me and he approached me with an opportunity to build out an event, like a digital events platform. It was combining peer-to-peer fundraising, third-party events, and social media. They had no foundation for the program. They had no idea really what they wanted exactly, but they knew they needed to do something that was engaging for people that they couldn't directly reach. Um, So I was really hesitant and I asked them, you know, what would happen if I said no? And they said, well, if you say no, um, we could try and find you another position. Um, But if you say yes, you have one year to hit your fundraising goal. Otherwise uh, you're going to be let go. Wow. (laughs) So I said yes. And I took the risk and it was definitely sink or swim but our first year, we exceeded our goal by 30%. And that was really an opportunity that got me excited by the idea of building fundraising and engagement programs from scratch. Unbelievable. And it must produce so much confidence to have had that totally from scratch goal, no real platform in place, and then to hit it and and surpass it by 30%. That's got to produce an enormous amount of confidence in you for future goals that come down the pipe. That's such a cool story. Thanks. Yeah, it it was really fun. And, um, you know, that was kind of what inspired my career trajectory where I've just gone into places and really looked at what where the hole needs to be filled on how people can interact with an organization and how they can contribute, you know, as they would like to. Absolutely. And on the topic of trajectory, I'd love to hear the story of how you got to where you are today running, being the director of development at the Cabal Center. It seems like you've had a variety of experiences across multiple sort of industries within the nonprofit world. Yeah, definitely. Um, I started my career initially as a graphic designer in the fashion industry. And you know, let me just say that it was every bit as tough as the devil wears Prada makes it seem. Wow. So I ended up at a large hospital group and I was doing all of their um, donor recognition, which was a really natural transition from from design. And I immediately loved the atmosphere of working in nonprofit life and the culture. And I reported directly into the VP. So she took me under her wing and she introduced me to annual giving, events, plan giving, and she gave me a really great fundraising education. 
So she also advised me that after the hospital had merged with another hospital group, that it was really time for me to use that as an opportunity to advance my career. So that's where I ended up at CureSearch. And as I mentioned earlier, I created that digital fundraising platform. And after three years there, the program was practically running itself. And I saw an opportunity at my alma mater, Marymount Manhattan College, to build out their alumni relations program. And they had a really interesting history with alumni, and they were looking for a more strategic plan to engage alums and and create opportunities for younger alumni to both give and participate in the school. And I was really able to create some amazing, innovative events and programs there, including a 24-hour giving day, which is now an annual event for them. And at the time, there was just a lot of turnover and leadership change and priorities were shifting. So I was approached about an opportunity at the Kabbalah Center to build out their development department from scratch. Um, The Kabbalah Center is a 30-year-old nonprofit. They've never had a formal development department. So it was definitely a risk to jump from higher ed to a spiritual nonprofit. But building something from nothing really was my passion. So I took the leap. And now here I am. That seems to be a trend throughout your career is it's always we basically have nothing. We want to we really want to go from zero to 60. And, you know, let's figure that out really, really quickly. That's super exciting. Um, let's jump into a little bit of hearing about the Kabbalah Center. And um, we asked this question for two reasons. One, because I think it's fascinating just to learn about what different organizations are up to. Um, and the question is, we'd love to hear a story about um, a way that the organization is making a difference, um, maybe in the life of a single person or a family or you know something along those lines. One, because it's interesting, but two, because I just love hearing how folks tell these stories and they're such a valuable part of sort of a development uh, person's toolkit. So we'd, we'd love to hear a story. Sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of stories that I hear on a weekly and daily basis about the impact of Kabbalah and the center and how it's, you know, made its impact on students. And we actually recently interviewed a bunch of students to highlight their stories and to show the heart of the organization. And in LA, we had a gentleman who was really struggling in life. Um, you know, he was aggressive, he was angry, he had some troubles. I don't want to get into too much detail, but, um, you know, he was driving down the highway in LA and, you know, basically he got into some kind of altercation, got out of his car. And when he got out of his car, he just took a stop and he was like, is this really the person I want to be? And his brother took him to the center. And after his first class, he was just changed. And he's so much more calm and thoughtful and reflective. And these are the stories I hear all the time, people going through, they're really the darkest periods and they come to the center and they learn the tools of how to deal with those obstacles and just be a little bit more spiritual. We kind of refer to it as an add on to religion. So it's people of all walks of life, of all religions and cultures and backgrounds. So that's the really neat thing about about Kabbalah. Such a cool story. That yeah, that's that's incredible. That's wild. Um, diving into maybe some of the development stuff, um, is there a tactic or an approach or sort of something, um, a technique that you've learned over the years that you've been surprised in how effective it is um, in terms of helping sort of generate more support for the organizations that you've worked for? Yeah, I think for me, I don't love just going to someone and saying, you know, will you give us money? I think that there needs to be a really good foundation of a relationship. And a big piece of that, like, isn't 
necessarily that face-to-face direct asking, but it's informing in, in the Kabbalah Center's case, our students, but in other cases, constituents, about the impact of what an organization is doing with the money that they raise. Um, so for example, how many classes we've opened and taught, how many students have taken a class that year, how many volunteers have come together to feed the community or um, you know, put together backpacks for children in need. And the center is showing that direct impact of contributing to the center and being active within our community. And then I think that inspires people to give. Absolutely. And then sort of on that relational note, is there um, an approach that you or the organization takes to um, building relationships with new folks that maybe don't know about the center or aren't plugged in um, and to start that sort of relational dialogue that could then ultimately someday result in support? Sure. Um, I think, you know, a lot of our students who have really big profound changes, they've been brought by their own network. So family members, friends, um, but our teachers are the real relationship builders. So once their, you know, their network has brought them in, the teachers are the ones who teach the classes and they meet with students one-on-one. And when they make an impact in someone's life, that really opens up the door to meaningful giving. I love that, right? Leading with the results or leading with the impact and then that produces a desire to see more of that happen in other people's life. Um, That makes such, yeah. And it's more sustainable. You know, if, if you're continuously asking and you're not showing people the impact, then I think that one day if you're not asking, then that money doesn't come through. But if you are practicing what you preach and you're showing the direct impact of giving and supporting, then people will continuously give in the future. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, let's jump into our pro-con game, which um, is the game that usually I lose, but we'll see what my chances are today. Um, the topic that we've chosen to sort of have a friendly mock debate about is Salesforce, which I know is a hot button area. Um, Salesforce is, of course, a CRM platform um, that can be used to manage contact information with donors or supporters. Um, and uh, they're lovers of Salesforce, they're haters of Salesforce. So we'll kind of, one of us will take the lover side, one of us will take the hater side. Kristen, do you have a preference? I'm going to take the hater side. Okay. Yeah. that uh, I will take the lover side. No comment. I hope they're um, not listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can only hope um, that Mark Benioff and team have not yet dialed in, but um, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe it'll be interesting market feedback for them. Yeah. Um, let's begin. So if you want to make maybe an opening statement about your thoughts on Salesforce, I'll then attempt to rebut it and, and we'll go from there. Sure. So Salesforce is uh, entirely customizable. And with that, it requires significant upfront costs. So I think for a nonprofit, is that the best use of your of your donor contributions? Um, Yeah, that's my first. Okay, very fair. Yeah. And you've you've preempted my thing, which is going to be that it's very customizable. And so I will, I'll continue on that thread. It is very customizable. And I think one of the strengths of that is that it can be built to follow the workflow of an organization and actually save people a lot of time potentially down the road. So maybe it's, yes, a one-time heavy investment, but the time savings could be significant if done well. And therefore, um, 
maybe it is the best use of dollars. And and maybe I would argue that Salesforce is sort of a high risk, high reward deployment in some in some sense. Well, that being said, because it's so customizable, you really need to have either someone on your staff who is equipped to customize that or you'll have to hire a consultant to customize the platform and that is expensive also so yes. do you have someone on your team i most i think most nonprofits don't have someone who is skilled in coding and, and all of that very fair Okay, cool. I love it. No, that was great. Um, and I totally agree with you for the record. I think that um, if you're really large, you have a lot of technical resources that it can make a ton of sense, um, but that you want to be really, really thoughtful if you don't have a really significant amount of developer time at your disposal. Um, cool. We'll give that one to you. Nice job. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I love it. Um, Cool. Okay, let's jump into some rapid fire questions. The questions will be rapid. The answers do not have to be at all. Um, but to start off, um, if you could describe yourself in one word, what would you say? Creative. Interesting. How so? Or why so? I mean, I've always been, I went to school for fine arts and graphic design, and, and here I am looking at programs from like a more strategic standpoint. So creating custom programming for organizations, I think requires a little bit of creativity. I love it. That's such a good answer. Um, Is there a transformation or a sort of tectonic shift that you are seeing in the nonprofit space that you think is actually particularly exciting and positive? I think that annual giving and digital fundraising have some of the best things coming from that space. Um, And I also think just that's one. And then um, nonprofits that are treating fundraising and like nonprofit world more like a business. I think that that's where we're going to see like the most innovation ever. Really interesting. Talk to me more about that. What is that? Because I've heard both sides of that. I mean, nonprofits are, you know, not a business and shouldn't be, you know, uh, shoved like a round peg into that square hole. But on the other hand, maybe there are things that can be learned from the business world. Talk about what you're seeing there. That's sort of exciting. So have you listened to the TED talk? Um, and the person who gave it is escaping me, but there was a really great TED talk about how if nonprofits acted more like businesses, we would see bigger change, right? We're not focused on your, your ratios, right? So, um, 70% need to go to programming, 30% go to operations. If you paid people uh, a living wage or a competitive wage, you would see people stick around in the nonprofit space. You would see them working really hard and being committed to a mission. And then you would see those missions actually being solved. So in pediatric cancer, you, we would see maybe some more um, you know, medications being developed because the fundraising staff, it, there isn't that high turnover. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues right now where the average time a fundraising professional spends in their position is 18 months. Incredible. Yeah, could not agree more. Um, and we should we should at some point have a whole show on that and just turnover and burnout and what can be done to combat that. But I will definitely have to check out that TED Talk. Um, I, I completely agree. I mean, the whole notion of like, 
no business worries. You know, Apple doesn't worry about what they spend on overhead okay. versus what they spend on, I don't know, iPhone programs or whatever. It's just like, what is the impact at the end of the day? And what is, what is the output? Exactly. Um, that is a really cool perspective. Okay. Um, one of the other things that are maybe exciting to us is sort of the power of networks. And we're seeing, you know, um, cohorts of people in the nonprofit world, in the development world who are learning from each other, benefiting from each other's experiences, expire, inspiring each other. Um, are there any sort of other nonprofit professionals, maybe at other organizations in similar roles to you that you'd like to give like a shout out to who have been like helpful to you or inspiring to you? Absolutely. Um, so Steve Grimes at Jazz at Lincoln Center, that's where he is right now. He's a beast. Uh, definitely my go-to for questions, the occasional event sesh. And um, he also has a podcast with the American Prospect Research Association. He's just, he, he has his hands everywhere and he's just so knowledgeable. And then Janine Repka, she is currently at St. Peter's University, and she's on the board of the Casey Feldman Foundation, and she's just doing amazing work to fight distracted driving. Unbelievable. That is so cool. Um, I got to check out that podcast now. Um, and then um, maybe you sort of already answered this, but um, are there sort of nonprofit thought leaders, industry, influencer type people that, um, whose like thoughts or content or advice that you've really benefited from? Yeah. I just saw Michael Thatcher from Charity Navigator speak and he was talking about feedback loops and it was really engaging and, and just so interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. He is, he's incredible. Um, cool. If we sort of zoom out a bit and look at, um, maybe the past couple of years, I'd love to hear, is there something that you appreciate now that you didn't to any similar degree, maybe 10 or so years ago? Um, I think looking back, looking from the outside in, I thought people just gave because you asked. And and it's so much more than that. Fundraising is really all about the genuine connection and, you know, being gracious. And I, I just didn't think that some of the things that I utilize and like the quote unquote skills that fundraisers have were part of their job. I just thought that was someone's personality. Interesting. That is such a good nuance, right? That it's, there is this, um, there's this technical component or there's this skill component that's not just, not just innate. Um, I feel like I've been realizing that in a lot of areas of life as well. Um, in addition to development. Yeah. So. I mean, as you get older, just everything kind of your perspective on everything changes. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this is sort of a busy time for you guys. Um, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about the organization, if they want to learn more about you? Where should they look? Sure. So you can find uh, the Kabbalah Center at Kabbalah.com. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You just search my name or Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N-K-R-I-S-T on LinkedIn and on Instagram, which is always really fun. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kristen. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for um, having I've me. I've learned a lot. Yeah, no. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting again sometime yes. soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Growth Show, presented by Nonprofit Megaphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or giving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast network. We appreciate your support. Until next time. <laughs>